klipas. And the key point was the klipas just like the under alive. And like every living thing, every living thing wants to thrive and flourish, right? And what is it that allows klipas to thrive and flourish? What makes them nice and strong and healthy? Anything that's against Hashem, right? And what makes klipas weak and frail and sickly? Anything that's for Hashem, right? Okay. So you can understand why Hashem would hate the klipas and the klipas would hate Hashem, right? Okay. Now, and we spoke about how when a person does something wrong, the Yetzirah um, is really coming from the klipas. The klipas are trying to get a person to do something ungodly. In other words, the klipas are using the person. Okay. I want to just briefly talk about this a little bit more, and then we'll go on to um, more into what the text says. One of the one of the important things in life is to know like how to orient yourself in something. So, for instance. Um, There are some people, they, the way they live their life is like, I want to like live my life as if I were not Jewish or not observant. And then, of course, God is real to our mitzvahs and like, and, and uh, I'll accommodate wherever God comes and tells me. I'll make adjustments, right? I'm not going to like go and bell against God. But fundamentally, right, I want to live like, you know, the American dream and like, okay, but my restaurants have to be kosher. You know, my... Uh, my mortgage can't be from a Jewish-owned bank because of interest. But, but fundamentally, I want to live a non-Jewish life. And I will accommodate the Torah's dictates in order to, you know, not get on the wrong side of the creator of the universe. Right? That's one orientation. First, I have a totally different orientation where their attitude is, I want to live a life of Torah and mitzvahs. I, I realize I have to go to work. I realize I have to, you know, like pay the bills. I have to, like, pay my taxes. I have to be a good citizen. Right? But ultimately, my real life is bound up in, in, in Torah and mitzvahs and in, in the family and in shul and, 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 and uh, for bringing and, 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 and learning Torah and giving tzedakah. And okay, I understand. I need to accommodate the fact that we live in a physical world and we live in a secular country and I have to figure out how to navigate that. Right? Both people could be completely religious, right? But their orientation is totally opposite. Everyone get what I'm saying? Okay. So there are many things in life that changing the orientation, it doesn't... It changes the questions, it changes everything, even though nothing really changes, right? The same difficulties apply, but they're both different, different places. There is a common difficulty that many people have, which is I want to do one thing and God says I'm not allowed to. You familiar with this difficulty? Yeah. Okay. That is a very, and I don't mean this as a pejorative, but I'm going to say, oh, no, no, no. I just mean as a, as a fact. That is a very non-Hasidic perspective. What would the Hasidic perspective be? I really don't want to do this. But the are making me the, No, no, not making you. You always have free will. You clean No, you have free will. I no, 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 no. We're not talking we're not, not talking right. not I really want to do something and God doesn't let me. I we the reverse. I really don't want to do it, but the clipas are making me feel like I do. 
and I really do feel like I do. I'm not denying that I feel like I do, but I've been propagandized. I've been advertised to. I'm under the influence. Okay? Um, and that's something later on the Alter gets to, is that one of the key things in actually being successful in having a relationship with Hashem is to learn, even though I still feel the same temptations and negative character traits, but why, am I, why do I wrap my identity so much up in that? Maybe that's not really who I am. Maybe that's something that I'm experiencing, but that's an influence from the outside, and a truer version of myself would not be those desires, even though I still feel them. Yeah, so like, for instance, right? And we, this is something that, that we do from time. So for instance, a person, let's say, this example of getting angry, right? Some people, like they get angry and they feel like, I got angry. Like there was this feeling of anger and it came over me and I got out of control, but that isn't really who I am, right? Like, they can, you know what I'm talking about, that kind of thing? Right? And then there are other people who like, no, like, 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 no, like I'm really upset and this is I'm really against this person and then it becomes like a whole mindset and like they become enemies and there's a feud. And, Right? Yeah. The difference is not one felt the anger, one doesn't feel the anger, is that one identified the feeling as this is me, this is a reflection of who I am, this is what I'm about. Right? And the other one is like, this is something that came over me that I have to contend with. It's part of the reality in which I live, but I ha- something I have to deal with. And so from the, the perspective of Hasidus, like, I really want to connect to Hashem, and I don't always feel like it because the klipas are so... Um, <laughs> As, as the Rebbe Leviath of Religion put it, you know, if God had put all the klipas in a book and all the godliness out there in our experience, it would be so much easier. Right? But all the klipas we experience and the godliness is in a book, so it makes it harder. So what, what I want us to take a listen to this is that the way Hasidus looks at it is that the person is fundamentally not evil. The evil is coming from the klipa. Now, the klipa gets really, really deep down into the person. And the klipa, and, and starts to, de- and we develop our sense of self very much around the klipa. So we can genuinely feel like when we're not allowed to give into the, what the klipa is wanting, uh, trying to s- tempt us into doing, we feel like somehow we're personally being deprived and we're personally being um, attacked. But that's also part of the klipa's uh, scheme. Going back to like good advertising, good advertising makes you feel like you really need the thing you don't really need. Good? Okay. So I, I think that's just an important takeaway just from this idea of klipas. Um, and one of the things that we've actually daven for in davening, um, you notice that David Melech always is talking about his enemies and Tillim? So in Chassid, it's explained those enemies are, our, are the klipas. And so we daven and we say, like, can Hashem save me from my enemies? Like, I'm trying to dive, I'm trying to connect, I'm trying to, like, be in touch with who I really am, and the klipas are trying to make me feel like that's not who I really am, that really I want to do other stuff. And those are my enemies. And we ask for Hashem to help, for help, to be saved from our internal enemies. Okay, fine. But now we're talking about the idea of Hashem hates the klipa, and now there's a few more lines we have to read in this paragraph. So, um, which, okay, let's, let's, I guess... Start at the beginning of the sentence. Um, to do what is evil. You see where the, the, the line, to do what is evil in his eyes, namely any of the abominable things hated by God, which are the klipas and sitrachra, which draw their nurture from man below and have their hold in him through the 365 prohibitive commandments. Okay. 
So what does it say? Where do klipas get their nurture from? Where do klipas get stronger and healthier from? It doesn't say that. This is actually important. It doesn't say that. Where do they get the power from? Like, let's break the sentence up. They draw their nurture from what? What does the text say? I actually, guys, I actually expect you to in the look at the text. From the man, from the person, right? Okay. What, where do they have their hold on the person? Through what? Right. In other words, if the Kleba wants to plug into you, how many, how many outlets do you have? 365. There are 365 places the Kleba can at leech, can attach itself onto you. But the thing is, is the Kleba actually interested in the Avera or in you? In you. What does it say? Kleba's draw their nurture from, from the person. Okay. So it looks like. What? Regardless of whether you do the aftermath? No. No, because. So let's leave the Avera out for a second, okay? Because the Avera, this is the thing is that the Avera is. The Avera is. I'm not saying that the Avera is is not a big deal, but for our purposes, for today's discussion, it's a technicality. Okay? Here's the thing Klipa would like to live, okay? Now, there's a, the Klipa has a, a fundamental problem, which is that there's only one source of life, which is Hashem. On the other hand, Klipa thrives when there's no Hashem, right? So you see, like, Klipa has an existential problem, right? Is that Klipa needs life, but the only life is Hashem. But Hashem is something that Klipa hates. Klipa like, feels good when there's no Hashem around. So what kind of thing does a klipa need? Klipa like needs... Right, it needs... A klipa needs godliness which has been twisted, which has been distorted. Or, 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 to, or to think of it, it needs godliness in a form that's no longer godly. Okay? In other words, to go get life from somewhere else, it's not possible. There's no other source of life. There's no only source of power, of energy, of, of, of anything. And on the other hand, to get godliness in a revealed state where the godly qualities of, of what it means to be godly are manifest, Klippa can't survive in that, right? So what does it need? It needs, it needs to have the Klippa, it needs to have the godliness, but in a form that is ungodly. So I'm going to give you an analogy, and I apologize in advance, but this is actually a very precise analogy. No, this is in, this is the, the, this you think is my analogy because I quote from this analogy, but this actually says in the holy text from the real you know people with Ruach Hakodesh and stuff. It's earlier. This goes, this goes like all the way. This is this is, I, this is probably this is probably in the Zohar, but I, I can't tell you for sure. But it's okay. Okay. Um, but it's at least in the Ramak and the Arizal, that's for sure. Okay. Have you ever seen a cockroach eat an apple? No, cockroaches don't eat apples. They don't. Why not? They don't eat food. Okay, but here's the thing. If you take an apple and you give it to a person, and the person eats the apple, and whatever the person can't digest from the apple 
is then excluded out of the body, right? And then that gets collected in a certain place. Do cockroaches eat that? Yeah. Yeah. So do cockroaches eat apples? Yeah. Indirectly. But the apples can no longer be in the form of apples, right? Now, if someone were to give you a pile of that, you know, disgusting stuff and say, here, have some apple. It's, you know, it's apple product. Like, no, that's not apples anymore. It's been so, it's been, everything, everything has been so, like, twisted and distorted out of its original form that it's, 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 it, you don't, it's not that anymore, right? Okay. So, if you give, clippers are like cockroaches, if you, and godliness is like apples, if you give godliness to the, the klipa as is, they can't live off of, they can't feed off of. In fact, the opposite, it actually would kill them. What has to happen is that that godliness has to be so um, twisted and distorted so that it doesn't, it's nothing godly to the point that when you look at that godliness, you say, that's not godliness, that's the opposite of godliness, but it's not, it really is godliness. It's just become so distorted. And that's the thing that klipa lives off of. Now the question is, where is the klipa gonna get any of that? Because you need something now, which is on the one hand, Godly, and the other hand, yeah, it can twist the godliness into a giant. Exactly, which is why the klipas are not really interested in non-Jews for the most part. They're of limited use to them. In other words, like this, I'll use an analogy from movie theaters. Okay, um, but it applies to many businesses. So. I know nowadays no one goes to the movies, but way back when there was a thing called the movie theater. You've heard of a movie theater? Okay. The movie theaters had what were called matinees. Matinees were shows during the day. You go to, yeah? Okay. Now, the tickets were cheaper. Okay. Why is the movie theater open during the day and selling cheaper tickets? It's fun or at night. So why is it open during the day? So, so here's, here, here's the thing. The movie theaters, as a general, make, would make no money on matinees. They lose money on them. What? They lose money on them. On movie On the daytime movies. Oh. They lose money. So why do they keep them open? I stay open. You're losing money. So people come at night? Because then the movie theater becomes an established business, and people know about it, and you don't want your... And if, like, you have a big city, and there's only one movie theater open today, they might actually start making money, so when you get predators and all this... You end up stabilizing your business, right? This is in business. Think people have to think very creatively, right? Not everything I'm doing is in and of itself directly making money, but it's long term for my interest because, like, it keeps my name, it keeps my reputation. I get a certain customer base. What? Yeah, makes sense. Okay, but the real profits are not being made there. Okay, that's not what that, right, the people running the movie theater are interested in making money, and they didn't open. Like, if, if everything was matinees, they would shut it down because, like, they're just kind of like. They're, 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 they're keeping things going at best. Okay. So when Klippa gets somebody to do something ungodly, all that happens is that the Klippa just has another place to express itself. But Klippa is not necessarily healthier or stronger or more. The, 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 there isn't necessarily more Klippa. But when the Klippa is able to attach itself to a Jew and a Jew has a godly soul, now what happens? You just need to it, it, well, that's the getting itself to attach. But if the klipa yeah. is able to attach the, the godly soul of a Jew, then what's going to happen? He has an amazing life force. That's right. Connection. That's one of the reasons why we compare klipas to leeches. How do leeches work? They suck the life out, the blood out of you. 
Okay. So the thing is, the klipas, in other words, with, when, when, with klipas, when it comes to the rest of the world, other than a Jew, they basically, they're fixed. Like they, they're as strong as they are, they can do what they can do, and that's it. And it's not like they don't, klipas don't utilize the, the physical world and non-Jews and non-kosher animals and all. The klipas are very, you know, they do stuff. But at the end of the day, they're not able to increase their strength, increase their vitality that way. Right? Like the like the matinee, you're not, you're not making money. It's just, there's not a, there's not enough of it. There's not enough customers paying enough money to make money that way. There's not enough influx. The only place where there's a genuine influx of godly energy, and in a form that the klipas could possibly utilize, the only only one place in the entire existence, from the loftiest levels of the Ain Sof all the way down to the physical rocks, there's only one thing, one access point where klipas can increase their energy. Their vitality, which means they get godliness in a corrupted form. There's only one place where they can do that, which is a Jew. And a Jew specifically in this world. Because when your soul is in heaven, it's not going to happen. Okay? You know why they have cameras and ATM machines? They do. They do? <laughs> yes, you are being videoed every time you go to an ATM machine. Where? Every ATM machine. What? There's someone sitting and watching them? No, they're recorded. They can. You know why? How would you feel if um, somebody took a gun and walked you over to the ATM machine and asked you to take out money and um, walked away with your money? You wouldn't like that, would you, right? I don't think anybody would like that, right? You know, it used to be, I wouldn't say common, but a frequent enough occurrence. It says, take out your money. Uh, why, why, should I, why should I hold you up for the money you might have in your wallet when I can hold you up for everything you have in your bank account? Right? It's a lot of money. And then what are you going to do? You're going to claim, you're going to oh, call the bank and say, I was robbed. You took out the money. It was your pin. But guess what? There's a little camera there, right? And so now you're like, you see, see that you know, right? And so it does two things. Number one, when you, a person actually claims that they were held up, right? It's much easier to verify, and the bank has insured, right? So it's fine. And then the other thing is it also, as that gets around, right? People are less inclined to do that kind of crime. Why? Right, because you're more likely to get caught, right? Okay, right. But the thing is, right? They put the cameras there because those are vulnerable places, right? Right? Because as much money as you have in your pocket is not as much money as you can generally pull out from your bank account. In an analogous way, a Jew, because of their godly soul, is, like a, is the most vulnerable spot in reality, a physical Jew, because that's the place where the klipa can get, in, theoretically, infinite amount of power. And so here's the thing. This is the klipa scheme. It's like this. Okay. But I want everyone to think about it like how Hashem looks at this and, and really does not like this whole thing. He like really is opposed to this. Setting aside the question of why he would create such a thing that he's opposed to. Okay. So so the Klippa, the Klippa thing like this. Okay, I've got, like God created me for whatever purpose I'm supposed to serve. I have only the amount of strength that I have. And I, like every living thing, would like to just thrive and flourish and grow and procreate as much as possible. So I need to get more energy. I need to get more vitality. I need to get more resources. The only place to do that is godliness. Right? So, 
but the only kind of godliness I can get is if it's corrupted, so I've got to get a Jew to corrupt his own godliness. Okay. But the Jew's not just going to do that if I go over to him and say, hey, do you want to corrupt your own godly potential of your soul in order to feed the klipas who are the enemies of God? Um, and if you put it that way, how do you think the Jew's going to react? Nothing. Right. So the klipa makes whatever it is feel very appealing to the Jew. And then what happens? The Jew feels like they're doing what they want. Right? And then here's the rule. Now the klipa is more powerful. Okay? If you are running a company, what do you do with the money you make? You invest a decent amount of it in order to build your customer base, right? Provide your customers with new products, right? To keep the customers loyal, right? So what does the Klippa then do with the added power? Some of it uses for its own ends, but some of it, it does. Gives back to the Jews like, here, doesn't this feel good? Now the Klippa is able to provide more and the Klippa starts and depending on the person, could provide things that seem more lofty, like feelings of meaning and purpose, lower things like pleasure, or all the way down that the klipa just gets a person caught in a rut that they feel like they can't get out of. And then what happens is the person keeps feeding the klipa, the klipa keeps feeding the person, the klipa keeps skimming off the top and gets stronger, and the person's godliness is now becoming all funneled to the enemies of Hashem. It sounds like there's no way a person could be godly. What? It sounds like there's no way a person now could be godly. Oh, but they are, because if the person would stop being godly, the clipper no, would be done with you. Oh, they can act, but they can't be it. This, this, is, this is very key, right? If, you're, if, 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 this is, if, this is, if you've gotten into this state of affairs, then even if you're doing mitzvahs, but as a person, you're not a godly... As a person, like who you are on a human level is not godly anymore. But that's the thing. It sounds like it's impossible in this world to be godly. No, it just takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. Now, that's, that's what, so, so now, that's what the Klippa's like, game plan is. That's its strategy. <laughs> Klippa comes to every person, every Jew, and figures out what can, way can I make being ungodly appealing to this person. Then that will feed me. I will then be more powerful, so I'll have a greater hold on that person. And I'll have, and then we'll get a nice, into, a nice cycle going. Have you ever noticed that, that we get into these kinds of ruts? Like, Right, the way put in the mission is a very sin leads to another sin. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. By the way, you know, the, later on the altar says one of the Klippa's great strategies is to make a person feel a sense of despair. Because there's no way to act, be godly when you feel despair. Mm-hmm. So it can get you to despair, then it's like, then it owns you. Mm-hmm. What? Like there's no hope. It's pointless. Like what? Wait a minute. Like, the situation, yeah. Right. Okay. So, but here's the thing. And now, I, I, here we're talking about fear. But I want I want to elaborate on this point a bit. Okay. Because I think it's helpful. It's not just to say negative stuff. It's also helpful to speak about the positives. First off, the very fact that you are such an interest to the clip, but what does that say about you? That's right. And that's something to always keep in mind, right? Um, there was once a shliach um, who, who was millions of dollars in debt. Um, now, how do you become millions of dollars in debt? Right. What? No, 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 no. Being, no. being millions of dollars is not being irresponsible. Being irresponsible is being millions of dollars in debt and then not having any way of paying it back. 
Um, but no, look, for most people, are in I'm in debt. I have a mortgage, and your mortgage, you're in debt. Right? If you, most companies are in debt. I'm not millions of dollars in debt, but I'm not running Chabad of uh, I'm not running Chabad houses across the whole state, right? Sure. I mean, look, the, the Rebbe once said, I'm paraphrasing, but if a corporation can be in debt in order to like get a bigger part of the market share, then why can't God go into debt to get a bigger part of the market share? Like, so anyways, million dollars in debt. Now the thing is, when you're in debt, like, it really weighs on you, right? And when you're millions and millions of dollars, and it really weighs on you. So one time he was for bringing. Um, and he said, you know, you have to be pretty wealthy to be millions of dollars in debt. Because think about this. How do you become millions of dollars in debt? How does that, how does that work? Right, like, clearly the banks had to think there's a lot there, to, right? Yeah. She's so like, you know, I could think about this, about like how I'm going to make all, figure out how to raise enough of my funds to like pay all this debt. Or I could think about like how much I'm actually doing that the bank actually saw there's a worthwhile, there's a worthwhile reasonable to invest. Even though like, I'm still scrambling to figure out the cash. Right? You can think about something in a positive way. right? So just the very fact that I'm a target of the klipa, in and of itself indicates how precious and how powerful and how valuable I am. Right? And that's already a starting point. And since being godly, right, one of the key characteristics of being godly is who can tell God what to do? Does anyone have, who can tell God what to do? Is there anyone who can push God around? So if I have a godly soul, and that's what makes me such a target of the klipa, then maybe I should, I should take the klipa's word for it, that I'm so godly. And if I'm so godly, then no one can push me around, including the klipas. So you can even use this very fact that the klipas are targeting me <laughs> as a way to repel them. Right? What, why is it that I have all of these struggles and all of these temptations? Because the klipas think I'm, I'm a person of interest. What makes me a person of interest? I have this tremendous godly potential. Okay, well, then maybe I should act on it then. There was once an, a non-Chabad Rebbe, I don't remember who it was, who said that you should always believe the Yitzhahara. The Yitzhahara never lies to you. Never. Now, I don't know that that's always true, but his point was the Yitzhahara always comes and tells you um, that, you know, the, the Yitzhahara comes and tells you that you're really, really important, right? That's what the Yitzhahara always tells a person. Now, what does it mean the Yitzhar tells a person that they're really important? If you weren't important, why is the Yitzhar spending so much time trying to get you to sin? So what does that mean? I must, I must be very important. So I should take the Yitzhar's word for it. Right? The Yitzhar, the Yitzhar is not fooled. It knows, that, it knows that I'm godly, so I should also treat myself as godly. But there's another thing. And this is actually... Um, I, I, this is one of those things that I think is, is very practical, although not... It's not intuitively easy, but if a person gets in the habit of it, it's, 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 it's easier. When a, what kinds of houses get broken into? Ones that look like they have the most to hide. Mm. Ones without security. The ones without security. You know why? Because they break into. Easier to break into. What do thieves do? They do this thing called canvassing. You know what canvassing is? They scout out. So they say, this person never locks their door. This person does lock their door. This person has, doesn't have an alarm system. It does have an alarm system. This person keeps a regular schedule. This person doesn't keep a regular schedule. So between all of that, regular schedule, easier to break into. Less like the day of caught, right? No, well, door isn't locked. No security, right? Versus person keeps an irregular schedule. Their doors are locked. They have a security system. Which one do you think the thief is going to break into? 
So what about the klipas? So the klipas, they're interested in getting this, feeding themselves with this godly energy, right? Where are they going to get, who are they going to attack? That's right. The klipas, remember, if we think about klipas as living beings, the klipas aren't stupid. So if you, if you make yourself not the most um, available target, then what happens? Klipas stop attacking you. Now, there's degrees of stopping, right? Maybe they'll time time to just start up. And this is something that Siddha speaks about, that when a person makes a, a genuine resolution in their life, that I'm going to define myself by my service of Hashem, my relationship with Hashem. And they really try and maintain that sense of identity. And really check with themselves about everything they do. Forgetting whether it's permitted or forbidden. It's beside the point. But ask themselves, is this furthering my relationship with Hashem or not? And if it's not, then it's off the table. Forget whether it's forbidden or not. If that's where a person's mindset is, if that's how a person's trying to live their life, they're not very susceptible to the klipas. So what ends up happening? The klipas tone down their attack because it's like a waste of resources. And the very important here is not that the person makes a decision, I'm going to be very from, I'm going to be very observant, I'm going to keep all the mitzvahs. Okay? And so the person makes a, a decision about how I'm going to live my life, that I'm going to try and be mindful about everything that I do and ask myself genuinely, is this going to help me be closer to Hashem or not? And if the answer is no, then it doesn't belong in my life. I don't care whether it's permitted. I don't care what... It doesn't, like, I'm, not, I'm not interested in following a rule book. That's right. That's right. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, is that an easy thing to do? No. No, but I want to be clear. It's something that gets easier over time. It also because you get better at it. You get better. It's the kind of thing that it's the kind of thing that if a person if a person works on cultivating that mindset and living up to that mindset and not getting blowing and when they fail not blowing it out of proportion, then over time they develop a new normal. Your des- so what ends up happening is the desires feel a lot less you and more like, like they're you. So in other words, you know, like going back to what I was saying about davening, like a person's davening and all these, these psukim, these verses that say that, um, that David Melch says, we say that, um, that about our enemies, a person starts to feel more and more that just that's just the klipa trying to attack me, and it's like it doesn't, it doesn't feel it, it, and so it becomes more. You ever like doing something you really find interesting, and you're tired, and so you're mildly annoyed that your body is not cooperative. Yeah. Like you, you like ident- you don't identify yourself with the tiredness. Like the tiredness is like, like if you were to like be really dramatic, like who are you, body, to be tired when I have this interesting thing I want to be doing right now, right? And then, and then, unless your body literally cannot maintain being awake, which sometimes happens, but if that, then like, like, the tiredness doesn't have the same hold on you, right? Whereas on the other, sometimes like what you're doing, you're not really interested. In, like you feel like I'm really tired. And I really want to go to bed. The tiredness really is something you identify with. And so what happens over time is that the klipa starts attacking the person less frequently, and the attacks are less intense, and they're easier to repel. And it's not that it ever disappears completely, but it's more that the klipa periodically checks up, like, is your guard still up? Oh, okay, it is, never mind. And that's, that's something a person develops over time. 
And it's not, it doesn't mean you all of a sudden become a holy person and a tzaddik. That doesn't happen at all. It just means that you're, you're, you're living, you're, you're choosing to live from a different perspective and you're working on maintaining that. And the more that happens, the 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 the, the, the starts to just not, you know, if, if I only have so many resources, there's other Jews that are more vulnerable, I should pick up pick on them. Okay. Does it make sense? So so it's important that we think about that instead of thinking about the Avera as the sin, or I ate non-kosher food, okay? Like, forget what the Avera is. There's this dynamic that's happening. There, there's these beings that they thrive when God is hidden. They suffer when God is revealed. And they want, the only way they can get stronger is by having a corrupted version of godliness. The only place they can get that from is from me. Because the only thing that's on the one hand godly, but then has the free will to go against God is myself. And therefore, I am their prime target. And how many different ways can they leech godly energy out of me? 365. So what's the problem with eating pork? According to this view, what's the problem with eating pork? That I sinned? I went against God? I rebelled? No. no. no but then we said that anything that's against, anything that's not God, is that's not just 365. There were only 365 ways that they can get stronger. They don't get stronger when you, let's say, yesterday we said when God angry. Well, so here's the thing. The 365 commandments have a lot of different layers to them. So one of, the, one of them is idolatry. And the Gemara equates getting angry to idolatry, which means, which means getting angry is, in a, in a subtle sense, the sin of idolatry. So all things that we call neutral, which in Tanya wouldn't be neutral, is all because they will fall under one of 365? Pick one. So. Eating just... That's no. That, that's a different category. That's that's that that's no. There, there, in other words, there are things that don't. There are things that don't strengthen the klipa. Like you eating because you're hungry and so you need to eat. Doesn't. But in contrast, eating. No, so if we would differentiate between eating because you're hungry and eating because it tastes good, that's actually a sin. Yeah. It's under a sin or it is a sin. It depends on. There's different. Um, there's um, according to so according to the Rambam there's a mitzvah of emulating Hashem which you're negating according to the Ramban there's a mitzvah of being holy that you're negating no but like but there's things there's things that, that basically this things that things that are indulgent things that are wasteful things that are Anger, things that are like that, then yeah, that that all would can in some subtle form fit under one of some sometimes subtly and some not subtly fit under the form of a sin. But things that are just like parts of like normal living that are like necessary to function as a human being, for this purposes, for our purposes here, they are in other words, later on we'll learn that everything brings you closer, further for Hashem. What? That's what you're doing on your phone. Like on my way here, I called my wife. I said, How are you doing? And she said, I'm doing great. And he said, why are you calling? And I said, because you want to see how you're doing. She says, well, thank you for calling. And that was the end of the conversation. Like, so that's, that's, like, that's a normal thing you do, right? You can even argue that's a mitzvah, right? Like, like if I call the bank and I'm like, what's going on with my accounts? Like, okay, that's, like, that's less than a mitzvah, but it's not a sin, right? So the, it, for, for, for chapter four's purposes, there's things that are not mitzvahs and not sins, for sure. Later we'll learn that subtly everything is klip or kedusha, but that, that's, don't, don't mix that right now. 
Not everything is this. There are things which are Hashem reaching out and touching me, which are the positive mitzvahs, and there are things which are actually feeding and strengthening the klipas, right? And they're leeching off. And those are 365 sins. Remember what we said about the 365 negative, 365 negative things make the world worse? What is it that they do? They feed the klipas. That, and by the way, that caused all the... Mm-hmm. 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 But that's because the, the Klippas... The, what the Klippas are doing is... The, but the Klippa... What happens is the Klippa comes and it... And it gets you to do the... And it gets you to do the Avera. Then... Then the energy they use, the klipa then uses to create another version of itself and copies of itself. And yeah, 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 yeah. Does making klipa stronger in the world make God less in the world? Yes. So if you want to know why there's war, hunger, famine, abuse, illness, death, all those things are because of klipas. Klipas are weaker. Those things are less. Meaning, if what we do affects the world? That's right. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. But that's not, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's my question. So then if I get angry, someone else is going to get hurt? Yep. So wait, 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 why did the brother freak out when people say that? You can't say that's so, okay. When people say things are because of our sin, they're not No, 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 no. There's a difference between saying something is punishment. If I speak question to her, saying... No, no, no. So, so, so let's, 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 let's differentiate. There are people who say... There's two things. There's, 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 the people who said that the Holocaust was punishment for sin. That the Rebbe said is the Rebbe objected to. And the reason for that is that there's no amount of sinning that Jews could do to ever deserve that kind of suffering. Yeah, but you're saying sin automatically brings destruction to the world. That's true, but that's not punishment. Punishment is a very specific thing. Don't call punishment is a totally different Concept. idea than the rest of it. Yeah, pun- the, the Rebbe... Now, so so there's a separate question. No, you're mixing up two different things. You're doing two different things. There's how and there's why. Why did God make, allow, or if you want to be more accurate, make the Holocaust happen? That's a separate question. But then you're going like, how does it actually occur? Because godliness is good. So how does godliness cause? And the answer is, so what's the medium in between godliness and suffering? Klipa. So the more klipas. If there was less klipas, yeah. I mean, when 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 there's no klipas anymore, yes, when there's no klipas in the world anymore, then there won't be suffering in the world. I guess that's like we always argue that. What? Okay, I mean, you were saying it makes sense. Okay, if somebody, if if if, if somebody, here's. If somebody, if somebody, um, let, let's put it like this, yeah? Let's give an ex- I mean, we did this before about the difference between sin and making the world worse. Let's say there's a Jew who's not religious, they don't know any better, and they're eating pork. Are they making the klipa stronger? Yeah. Yeah. They're making the klipa stronger. Do they deserve punishment? No. No. If a two-year-old plays with matches, could they burn down the house? Do they deserve to be punished? No. Is it still dangerous? Okay. Yes. When, 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 and by the way, now, this is an important point. Here's the rule. Hashem can never cut off a godly soul. Okay? However, 
Hashem has like, what is it called? Like a dimmer switch? Yeah. You know, it makes the lights dimmer? Uh, yeah. So what happens if you're really in the, in the, wrapped up in the klipas and the klipas are really like leeching off of you? What does Hashem do to your sense of godliness? It dims it because the more godliness you're in touch with, the more the klipas get, which Hashem is not interested in. So what does he do? He turns it down to a minimum. Which means like this, okay? And this is very disturbing. You have a secular Jew, right? They're, they're, they're not observant. They don't know any better, right? And they've been eating non-kosher food their whole life. They're feeding the klipas. You have a big rabbi who's very knowledgeable and he's generally God-fearing and he's trying to develop his relationship with Hashem, etc., 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 and he gets angry. Who's feeding the klipas more? The rabbi. The rabbi. Why? Because there's way more godliness flowing, right? So, now, and what happens if then he keeps that getting and throws the klipas, then eventually Hashem might say, you know what, let me turn down the godliness on him. He's too much of a risk. But now sometimes the reverse can happen. That person who's completely, God might just like turn up the level of godliness in that person really, really high. Remember what happens to, to klipa when they're exposed to godliness? Right, so sometimes this person is completely secular, and like, they feel like, oh, I'm Jewish. I'm God, like, I have to do something. Like, I have to connect. So... Hashem plays with a person's sense of godliness on the one hand turning it down because there's too much being fed in the klipas, but sometimes turning it up in so intensely that it actually inspires a person to do tshuva. Okay? Now, the point that Alter is saying here is this. When a person gets this and they feel like they're in Hashem's presence, let's go back, right? If you really admire somebody, you really respect somebody, and you know that they really are repulsed by something, you don't want to be caught doing it in their presence, Right? Just that, like that in of itself is the most uncomfortable thing possible, right? So if I feel like I'm in the presence of Hashem, and I really get that this is what happens when I do an Avera, how am I going to feel about doing an Avera? Petrified. I'm going to be ashamed. Like, right in front of him to feed the Klippa? I can't do that. But all the more so. But the thing Alter wants to get to is not the feeling of fear of the Klippa. Because Chassidah says if you're afraid of feeding the Klippa, that's a form of fear of punishment. Because you're not, you're not, you're afraid. What's the approach that I have to have in my head? It's not that you're afraid of feeding the klipa per se. Although if you're afraid of it and that stops you, that's fine. But that's a, that's a subtle form of fear of punishment. Because the klipa just breeds more suffering. So you're afraid of feeding the klipa because there'll be more suffering. You'll have a harder time. The, the, the fear that Dr. Eva says is I'm, a, I'm ashamed to do something that God despises right in front of him. That God is so repulsed by klipa and I'm going to go feed it. I'm going to go strengthen it right in front of him. Again, imagine, think about somebody you really admire, you really respect, think about and something that they, they really are disturbed by, you would not want to do it right in front of them, right? It just seemed like a, a total, you'd be, you, you'd be ashamed, embarrassed, to, 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 not because they're going to do anything to you, right? So there's this sense that Hashem is present, Hashem sees, and this is something that Hashem is so disturbed by, how could I do it right in front of him? There was a chassid, just one second, there was a chassid named Mendel Futterfas, so when we say confession, we, we, we hit our chest um, on the word al-chait, shachatano, on the word chatano that we've sinned. Al-chait on the sin, shachatano that we've sinned. Um, and, and he would do it on the word, that subsequent, lefanecha. Instead of saying on the sin that I've, we've sinned, we've sinned, okay, we've sinned. But we did it right in front of God. Right in front of Him. And so this fear comes from a sense that Hashem is present here seeing me. And what I'm doing is something that he finds disturbing. Who did that remember? 
I, I heard that I wasn't there when he said vidui. I heard that that's what went for the first day. If you correct me that I'm misremembering it, then I'm stand corrected. No, that's what I remember. That. Our question. Yes. What about doing things in front of Hashem? That concept that aren't averes, but aren't. Oh, did you just ask that? I don't know what I'm having different things in my head. Like. Well, sometimes those things are theirs, but let's assume that they're not. The answer to that is we have to go to chapter 7. Like, I mean, what? Well, well, now we have to wait for I don't, I, I don't want to answer your question other than to say like this. If this is something which feeds the klipas, that's what the, the, the thing is, the thing is, the altar is doing the reverse, saying, it's not about whether it's forbidden. It's does it feed the klipas. Yeah, probably. Well, like but not everything. Not everything feeds the klipas. Not everything feeds the klipas. Sometimes, I mean, look. I feel like you'll know when you feed, you're feeding the klipas. You do know. And, and by the way, different people, different things. Like, there was a bacher in the yeshiva. Like, watching sports is not inherently forbidden. I mean, depending on the advertising, but like, the sports, watching a football game is not inherently forbidden. And a person needs to relax. So, like, I mean, it's not, like, because you're, you're in a relationship with God doesn't mean that, it, like, you know, especially if you grew up watching football, that all of a sudden you're not allowed to ever watch a football game. It's just not true. There was a Bachar in Yeshiva, like, two years ago. Um, and he asked me, is it really bad to watch sports? And I'm like, I mean, you know. The commercials are worse than the game, and the, the commercials might actually be awesome to watch. But the game was a uh, big deal, whatever. Because there's a lot of things that are not sneeze on commercials. Oh, that's, oh, right, that's, that's that's flat on Nevera. No, no. That's stupid commercials. Right. For a boy or for a girl? Both. Both. What? Yes, do you think we're exempt? From watching? I'm sorry, because I'm going to be the type of yeah, the, you know, the, there's actually the only the only source that I've ever seen that speaks about that this applies to men and women together is the Mitzvah Rebbe. Is what? The, the the second Chabad Rebbe is, to my knowledge, I'm not a big expert, but I'm enough of a like read enough books that speaks about the idea of that not these things applies to what women see, it's not just what men see. It doesn't like it doesn't explicitly speak about it in the Gemara and Shulchan Aruch, and the only place I know is the. I mean, it's something that any rub knows, but like that it actually speaks about like quite black and white. Anyway, um, so he's like, yeah. and he seemed very uncomfortable. So I said, why? He's like, well, because like I start like I start watching sports, and then I find like I get into this headspace, and then it's just like, and then Gamar becomes like a burden, and like it was all, and it turns out for him like that was the place where the Clippers would latch hold of him. So it's not like inherently football is the end of the world, but he would watch the game. And then he would just become more into that and less into his relationship with Hashem. And then one thing would build to the next. And then he was the kind of like zombie-like in, in yeshiva and living for like when yeshiva was out. And so he realized for himself that, that for him, this was something that he had to learn to let go of. Not because there's something interesting, but for him, he couldn't maintain his relationship with Hashem. And that was just like a, with that, that was, and, and people, everybody has those things which are unique to them. That they know, for me, this is a danger zone. Even though intrinsically, somebody else could really like have it in part of their life as a hobby, and there's nothing wrong with it, and like fine. And that's something a person has to learn from experience. Can I talk to you another person? 
or an act interaction with another person. Not another person, but in a, a, a mode of interacting with them. That is a good question. It is. It's a, it's a, that's why the Mishnah says, Woe is to the wicked and woe to his neighbor. So if your interaction with somebody is being the neighbor of a wicked person, then that can be a very... Uh, not that the person is a people, but... Yeah. All right. Next week, we are, I'm, we are done with this paragraph, and we're moving on and we're to the next paragraph. And we're going to talk about why mitzvahs are physical.